0: So what are you doing, movie archives?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. This week we're talking about the Blair Witch Project. Go ahead and pop in your DVD or blurry. So sorry. (laughs) Press play and press pause when the Lionsgate logo fades to black at the first frame you perceive of all black. Press pause, and in a second I will say three, two, one, unpause. At which point I'll press play. You'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except, of course, four friends in your head. And those friends that speak are myself, as always, T Christy, my friend, Ryan William Finnefter, Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott, Boo. and Eddie the Eddie Doty. Spooky ghost. <laughs> oh, so the Blair Witch Project. Scary sticks. I um I managed to miss the Blair Witch Project when it was out in theaters, because I was too busy, you know, trying to Being trade, trade my my <laughs> yeah. Phantom <Manus> trading cards. <laughs> and, yeah, and how fucking stuff. old were you when this movie came In out? 99, I would have been th- 13, I think. Oh, Christ almighty. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But I, uh, I didn't see it th- nor have I seen it since, and then I I saw it for the first time yesterday, and it is the first scary found footage movie I've ever seen in my hey. life. Hey, hey. I, I approve this
2: message. <laughs> Why? Because I agree. But so yeah. many people, so many, so people, many people who shit all over it, who it, who who watch it in the position that that you did, are kind of like that so wasn't scary. So I'm actually glad that you reacted yeah. that
1: way. Oh well, it wasn't scary. <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, I didn't find it very scary actually. I thought you just said. Yeah. No, well it's it the, I said it's the first scary found footage movie. I saw Cloverfield and Chronicle. But oh. I haven't seen like a paranormal activity or, or, Rag- the first, um, or okay. whatever. Um we'll, we'll get them. into it, but I was actually a fan of uh, Last Exorcism. I actually I haven't seen that, that one. Well in any Pretty case. We'll um, I was I was actually a little bit confused when the credits were rolling yesterday because it was truly Dreadful, and I mean that in terms of what it evokes, not the kind of movie it is. It was truly dreadful and creepy and ominous the entire time, and I kept waiting for whatever was going to happen to happen. But then whatever was going to happen didn't, and the credits did. And I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but internally, once I even got into the movie and they start you know, describing how the witch looks and all this stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is going to get real fucking creepy. We're going to be seeing some shit in the shadows and all that kind of thing. And it never kind of went there. This, not, that's not the kind of movie this was aiming to be, apparently. But by the time the movie was done, I was almost annoyed with it because I, I was really anticipating whatever the scary thing was to happen. And it it never really got there for me. And it didn't help that... It it might have just been me, but the film grammar didn't quite work in the last scene for me because I didn't quite understand what was happening when the first camera falls down. It's like, um, did he trip? What's going on? And then the second camera, and it took me a couple. I actually, as soon as the movie was over, I went back ten minutes and watched the end again to see if I had missed something, and I had. But it's still just not my kind of movie. Now, bear in mind, I don't like scary movies anyway, but this one actually didn't scare me that much, and I think that's really odd. I was talking to Jeffrey Harrell about it yesterday after I'd watched it for the first time, and he's like, "What'd you think?" And I was like. I don't know why this is the case but I was incredibly worried that they were going to starve I was worried, I was worried about their lack of rations out there in the woods so were they yeah, yeah. I know but I, I wasn't actually worried about the Blair Witch which I think I, I would call it a feeling of the movie but everyone else seems to find it really scary so it's probably just a feeling of me Brian uh, I did see this when this came out I would have been in high school I think uh, fucking kids <laughs>
0: <laughs> get off my lawn uh, and I remember being absolutely I did see it in the theater I remember being absolutely terrified uh, and the movie being very effective at the time, I, I remember there being a lot of like hipster kind of backlash to this movie, like "Oh, that wasn't scary." That was, just, uh, and it's like, yeah, okay, it was, it was cheap and it was, it was shaky and fine, but le- it was legitimately a scary movie, as, at least in the environment of watching it in a theater. I would imagine
1: yeah. it'd be different for me if I wasn't sitting in my living room. Yeah.
0: Yes, and and it's very much one of those movies where the the context of your viewing of it to you know changes mm-hmm. your your reaction to it i think because I, I rewatched it last night for the first time since 1999 uh and i was like yeah this isn't scary at all but i was in my living room by myself
1: did, it was fine oh did even the thi- do you remember the things that you were scared of last time and were you watching and paying attention how you reacted to them this time it was so long ago i don't remember any specific moments other than maybe
0: the ends uh, just the, the like you yeah, said well the, the, end the works. feeling I mean, of dread use that to control for the variable i mean how much did the living room affect your scaredness well, I was also doing shit on my laptop at the same ah. time, so you know, it probably <laughs> it is and, a, probably uh, a a good a gauge there. So, how uh, do you where do you fall on the Blair Witch Project these days? I, I think it's a great movie. I think it's it's like I said, it's very scary. It it does the found footage very well, and we'll talk about that. I'm sure. Oh yeah, uh, it's our first found footage movie yeah it is our first found footage movie uh it does it very much it does it much better than the other found footage movie we'll be doing later today
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we doing with our lives so
0: I, I love the hell out of it i mean it's not, i'm not a huge scary movie horror movie person by nature but i think
2: this is a great example of the craft michael you like scary movies yes i do
1: how do you like blair witch um
2: i also saw it in theaters when it came out uh I'm sure we'll we'll get to it. I'm um, um, talking about the whole thing, but um, I'll point out that that by the time I went to see it, we knew it wasn't real. Um, some people didn't necessarily know that. Right. At and, the time. And, well,
0: I'm sure we'll talk about it, yeah. but I, I do remember. I very distinctly remember in the run up to it, not being sure right. whether it was real yeah. or not. They had the whole sci fi
2: thing where they yeah they yeah. I want to which I, I was watched. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But um, by the time I went to see it, like I said, it was. We knew it wasn't real. We knew it was. A movie, but it was done in a certain style and stuff like that. Um, and I thought it was—I thought it was really great at the time because, even knowing it's not real, the style makes it very easy to d- suspend the disbelief mm-hmm. um, and to really feel like you are just watching these people. Slowly, it's interesting what you said, Teague, because as I was rewatching it, I was struck by this would be a f- this would just be a fascinating. M- movie a fascinating documentary about some some kids who got lost in the woods and slowly starved to death like this this would be a fascinating movie in just in that sense in how they react to each other and how they slowly kind of become unhinged and stuff like that and then you add the the creepy element of they're they're being attacked and hunted from outside and i think that um that really kind of amps it up and is what makes it scary as opposed to just sad and upsetting (laughs) um and uh I you know they they very deliberately don't really show anything. It's more about at least watching it the first time. It's and not knowing that they're not it's going ghost to show to Jaws. anything. Yeah, it's Ghost Jaws, and it's it like, very much is Jaws
0: in the same same horror sense. You're,
2: you're the the fear comes from almost oh God, I hope. I don't actually see anything. I hope the camera doesn't catch anything because I can't, I will not be able to deal. As as Heather says in the movie, I'm scared
0: to close my eyes and I'm scared to open them at the exact time.
2: Um, And so I thought it was great. I thought, uh, you know, seeing it in a theater with, with, you know, an audience who was really interested in it and engaged in it was really very powerful in in terms of the experience as well. You know, there were reactions throughout and especially at the end.
1: and, was uh, it like a scream moment, or was it like a?
2: <gasps> yeah, it's not a scream moment. It's an "oh shit, here it comes" moment because you, you're cute. You knew it was coming. Yeah, you know what's about to happen, and it's like "oh shit," you know. And you have just enough time to say that before it happens. Um, <laughs> rewatching like- it, rewatching it yesterday um, again for the first time since, since seeing it yeah. the one time since last century. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I was. I I still think it's a very well-made movie especially you give it the handicap of this is practically the the invention of the found footage genre I mean people in our uh form Cannibal I think Jim, Jimmy B pointed out that Cannibal Holocaust is technically Paranoid the first Berg. one and right. um but but the one that really Paris Bueller's Day Off Yeah. <laughs> the one that really uh, uh kind of established the rules and the tropes of a found footage movie is The Blair Witch Project I think for for the way they're made now. Um and it's interesting to see all of the things that they did in this movie and they were just kind of b- making it up as they went and a lot of this is made up in editing as they discuss in the commentary which I listened to um, as well. Uh, very much like a reality show in fact, uh, Eddie because yeah. a lot of the relationships were like fabricated oh, and yeah. editing and stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, the... It, it was interesting to see how those kind of fell into place, and then they became like the canon of how you make found footage movies uh, from from then on. So, um, but I still think it's a I still think it's a very well made movie. I I don't think it gets the credit it deserves, and I'm interested to see what we have to say about it. Eddie the Eddie Doty. yes, uh, I, I think. I- Largely, I'm, I'm
3: and it, I agree that it doesn't get the credit it deserves. I, I saw this movie in 1999, where I was already in college and in the army. So fuck y'all. <laughs> um, no, but uh, it, it, I was very much caught up in the sort of underground marketing virus that had been spreading this for over a year prior to its even its Sundance screening. Um, you know, in college, I remember just hearing and getting links, and they had they had it was the first time where a real web marketing presence mm-hmm. mattered yeah. so strongly to a movie to an, ind- to it, an independent movie like it's really this. one of the first examples of true viral marketing yeah. true viral marketing in, in in the modern context that we understand it right absolutely and yeah there was a lot of speculation because i've i had talked to people who had seen the film on vhs before it had come out even on its sundance screening and when it, and there was no title card no credits nothing it was just here's a thing that we found and oh my god right and um And so, when you look at everything they had, all the uh, a really well done website. If I don't know if it's, I'm sure it's not still up, but if you ever use the, either go to the Wayback Machine and look up the original website, it was so much thought was put into it. I, I think in terms of this movie, I have so much more fascination and respect for everything around this movie. The overture, in terms of its marketing, marketing the making of it fascinates me. We'll talk about it more, but how they, how they would literally drop off their food and their story notes on a daily basis in a basket in the woods. And that's how they got direction. Like that fascinates me. Yeah. Like, and, and yeah, the, how the movie was assembled. All that fascinates me more. And I have such a deep respect for slightly more than the finished product. I think, um, I, I like the movie. I think there's some very strong performances, um but uh, I, I think it's ultimately hamstrung by the ending. Uh the ending to me doesn't age particularly well. Um I get what they were going for, but I, I think that I just don't think they were able to quite stick the landing. And I think that's why the movie doesn't have the the, the reputation that it deserves, frankly. I I think I think it should have gone on to be more it should have launched five careers without breaking a sweat of eduardo sanchez dan merrick the two directors as well as josh leonard and uh and michelle and mike i think it should have made heather heather, uh, heather. heather yeah heather and, and and mike i think it should have made superstars out of them all and so far the only one who seems to have any sort of lasting career is josh leonard who i actually got to edit a uh a movie that he was in i edited two scenes in a movie he did a couple of years ago um but Outside of that, it should have done more than it did, and it should have done it should have spawned more than just this weird sh- subgenre of found footage horror. Uh, which, frankly, I think other movies have done better since. So mm.
1: fair yeah. enough. You're at the point where the Lionsgate logo has faded to black. As we are here, put your finger on the button. Three, two, one. Blair Witch. It's it's interesting
2: what you were just <laughs> saying about the found footage horror, and we'll we'll get back to it. But there was there was a very long time. Um, after this movie came out, where I where I wanted to see more of them, mm-hmm. and there no one was making them, right? It was like it oh, took almost, to be young again. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and
3: for my sins, um, the, it really didn't boom until Paranormal Activity. Yeah, that, yeah. And that movie Practical. was made about two years before it came out. That mm-hmm. shit sat yeah, on the shelf for
0: a long. And time. that's I mean that was several years after Blair Witch. That was, was about two thousand seven, three, no, no,
3: two thousand six was when they made six? it, and then it came out. It didn't get. It didn't release until 2008 or nine. I think I could be wrong I could be off of and
0: in the too. six months since then they've made 17 more well They're on like what paranormal activity 5 now at this point they just did three. Uh, they, four it's just coming
3: out how many years. wrecks were there uh well I the original version three. and then the Americanized
0: was
1: version was catfish so a found down. footage movie
3: Cat. that's the big debate now isn't it now mm. from what I, I, haven't I, understand, seen, I haven't seen it it's great it's really it's really good and what's interesting is the directors of catfish Henry juice and R.L. Schumann have directed the last two paranormal activities the director Parallel mm-hmm. activity three and four. So uh, I think on the strength of Catfish, or did that come before? On the strength of Catfish, oh, I th- and cool. I and I get it, and I I think Catfish is real. I, I buy the story largely, but I totally get why people would think it's fake. But I I, I believe it. No shit. I th- I, know I, noth- know. I know nothing of Catfish. I didn't Catfish, know that either. Go Tell me your tale. Run don't walk.
2: Uh, it's, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Okay. You I haven't watch seen it, it. yet it's on HBO. Is it but scary,
3: Eddie? It's disturbing. It's not a horror movie. Okay, good. It's it's disturbing. I don't like scary movies. It's it's disturbing because it's actual real life and it's it's much more intimate. Um, See, that's the difference between film and video, you guys. Right there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> one is black
3: and white. And what was so great about this is that I I was like, and there's Josh Leonard. I was in um I was in film school during this time, so for me it was like I felt a strong connection to these kids. Like, and and they they definitely get what it is to be. They get that vibe of like we're doing a thing and we're excited and we feel more confident than we should and um, you know and we're we're doing a thing that's slightly larger than our ability,
2: which yeah. is they get that we're spirit. biting
0: off more than we can chew, yeah, and, and we're proud of it. We're
3: totally like
2: naive about our ability yeah. and to it's do it. and it's very much a which a, is the mindset of anybody who has ever started a film project ever, right? But but it's also very much a, a uh, like time capsule. It's a time capsule of the period. It's a time capsule of that yeah. it is. of of late nineties. Indie bootstraps filmmaking, right. as opposed to now, which I mean, you know, they're recording some of this on on a digital yeah. camera. That was a big deal yeah. at the time. That and, was, and
3: doing you know. do, and getting as excited for your own behind the scenes feature that you're making of the, yes. your actual project. Like they they get and like just the the bit of hubris that comes along with this and like, but they're still shooting it on film and like, yeah, yeah. And like, you know. And uh, there's a great contrast that shows kind of that mindset when they show the
0: the uh, the first shot of her like her narration yeah. next to the sign and she's she's just all like puffed up about this legend and what happened and we're going to find out. And it's like, yeah. And it's, that's a great contrast. And so we see all of this of them as actual people and they're totally believable as real people and what's, and what they're going through and what they're
3: kind of setting up here. Here's that moment you're talking about, you know, and she's, She's and so pretty. So so
1: like confident and full of herself. I'm like, and, and oh, she's going to be a producer. You know it. Yeah. (laughs) You know it. Now, how do you edit a movie like this if you have 90 hours of footage, Eddie, the Eddie Doty well, who has to work in reality reality television editing all the time? And, and I come from documentary
3: and I shot, like I was saying to you guys last night, like I, I shot, I shot my feature doc on a Sony DSR 200, which was full size DV and the tapes were three hours long. So you could just fucking run and shoot and do all mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, extra, and I, I touched upon this in, um, in the, uh, people versus George Lucas talk, but it's so. I mean, reality and documentary and any kind of narrative, or even like faux documentary, where you just shoot so much, where the shooting ratio is. By the way, I think it's adorable that they thought that they were going to use the slate. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean,
2: that <laughs> that more
0: than anything encapsulates that naivete of the filmmaker. Yeah. Like, here's our slate, and we're going to. You're not going to use the fucking slate. Yeah. Shut up.
3: <laughs>
2: um, well, they, but they, but they do have they to are, because they they're, they're, sinking. they're doing they are filming. filming. They
0: are yeah. sinking. So. They are
3: sinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, footage can become very much a rabbit hole that you fall down and never emerge from. Is and so that's why film is films. Collect- collaborative process but documentary film especially is an extraordinarily collaborative process with the editor and the director because you need that back and forth that push pull of trying to find your way out of it and moments that you either fall in love with early or abandon early will oftentimes be your savior later on so it's it's extraordinarily hard the, these guys understood the process that because both these guys That's apparently the production vehicle that's
2: actually the filmmakers in front (laughs) of them
3: (laughs) 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 and and dan merrick had were were you know grinders in in the um, in in the dregs of the hollywood system for a long time they were pas and careers they were both sorry they were both working in documentary and in and uh Uh, in reality early on back then and they so they were familiar enough with the process to know that we have to approach this and shoot this we can't script like we have to shoot this like a documentary and really find the narrative and post and um and we can and, and things change and evolve and as 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 they touch on in the commentary they have to wrestle it they have to wrestle the story sort of into submission
1: and it's got to be hard to do that because it's 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 almost too easy to try to create something really really ominous out of found footage if you have the advent of music to help you yeah but if you don't right well, and it's that's gotta be the, really tricky to do that with nothing what, but voices and cricky sound that is
0: and, one of the most impressive things about this film is that there's and there wouldn't be according to the the format they let out to them but there's no music right. whatsoever right
1: well, I mean,
2: you know, uh, Joss. We I, I, mean, I actually I I love this about the kid, the kid yeah. like that the kid is just randomly trying to stop her from telling the story and seems legitimately scared of it. It yeah. is, cool. and it's like, where is that? well yeah, yeah they just got that but yeah. you know it's so weird
0: the, the thing about but it helps so much the thing about doing found footage stuff in general and especially this kind of enforced method acting sort of thing is you you have to rely so much more on happy accidents than you would yeah traditionally yep. and i guarantee you they shot about 30 of these you okay. know yeah. what i mean like the, this is the cream rises to the top here and <laughs> and this is yeah and uh they talk about somewhere i don't know if it's on the commentary or not but they talk about how the filmmakers have told all of these people okay this is kind of what you're going to do and say but the 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 filmmaker heather and the crew didn't know what they were going to say yeah. so their reactions
2: to it are genuinely the, um are genuine and they yeah. and the kids they they uh they didn't know some people some of these people were you know plants by the filmmakers who had a lot of information and some were just people around town that they were like they kind of Fed them a little bit of the story and was mm-hmm. like, "Now go talk to our kids." And, and the the main characters, um, the the guys playing them, they they actually thought that this was based on a real legend, and they were interviewing right. people right. telling them yeah. about a real legend.
3: Yeah. Now but- actors are stupid. <laughs> now this is this is I mean this is the only like full on address the camera interview segment you'll see in the movie. Yep. Um, but people don't realize this, especially like uh, interviewing is. A skill i mean and it is it is a craft and an art that you have to work at and get better and if you and there's nothing worse than as an editor looking at a, footage from a bad interviewer brian actually recently helped
2: heather's me heather's really bad at it
3: actually she's in this horrible movie. <laughs> yeah. she's horrible she interrupts way too often yeah, yeah. she's uh, she says uh-huh yeah yeah which as an editor is like fuck shut the fuck up and yeah. just like <laughs> let and and from the especially the errol morris approach is like When they finish their sentence, don't say anything. Yeah. Because if you ask me a question and I give you an answer and then you don't follow up. Hey, Eddie, how'd you like the Blair Witch Project? uh, It was great. It was really good, and the reason why I liked it boom that's because now you, you can let, use that second beat because people want to instinctively fill the silence, and then oftentimes it forces a person to think, and then you want to fill that second beat, and you, then get, you, you do that over and over again, and then and sometimes you have to interrupt and course correct and stuff, but it's knowing exactly when to do it is the skill. And as
0: an interviewer, you want people—you want to get people past their automatic canned responses, which is ninety-nine percent of what right. people open their mouths to say, right? So, and that's a trick to do that. It's like, okay, yeah, yes, you have A, B, and C. Well, actually, if I have two seconds to think about it, which I didn't
1: give myself immediately,
0: right. D, e right. F.
1: That's, I have a thing about what you guys are talking about, but this old lady is simultaneously my favorite interview. And also, I think she's the one who threw me off in the beginning of the movie, and it, it screwed up my experience a little mm-hmm. bit. She feels like a Tim and Eric character. Like, she feels like, she feels like she's not quite, well, quite r- real there. I find her kind of plausible, but that's because I think she also lives next door to me, because I see this lady all the time. <laughs> yeah, I've totally, oh, yes. I've totally it, seen it totally this lady This totally is the lady the lady we house. live next yeah. door. And she <laughs> yeah. seems like a very sweet lady, but she's totally... <laughs> but <laughs> yes. she has the dog, yeah. yeah. There, there, she... was a, there was a lady who lived next
3: to my grandma named Icy, and, uh, and she looked like that. So.
1: Anyway, but she also goes into incredible detail, while Heather interrupts her repeatedly, about what the witch supposedly looked like, mm. and she's talking about how she had this you know full body of fur and all that stuff and i don't know that's not i don't blame the movie for that but it put me in this you were you expected I, to see I, that I, started, I, was, I was sort of like all right well let's see it I like, <laughs> or i was going to it was going to i half expected it to subvert my expectations and she looks totally different right. i wasn't expecting it to subvert my expectations and not show her
2: at all i, I like i like the uh, the the underlying Design, quote unquote, just the idea of it, because the the idea of like too much hair hair in weird places, aside from being you know puberty, is is also a satanic thing. It's like you know beings that look human but are like. Plus, it comes up in later when that other guy
1: doesn't have hair, right? He has It's like
0: it reminds me of the uh, the Jersey Devil, actually. Which yeah, yeah. Is yeah, exactly. From where yeah. I grew up, it's a it's a very. Similar thing. Here's this witch monster thing that lives in the woods. It is almost human, but not quite. And if you go into the woods, it'll eat you. Yeah, I love. I, lo- I uh, love this, this is a discussion. Yeah, this discussion because it actually that actually happened. They actually fucked up with the yeah. so so they're in the car and he's like, oh, I fucked up with the depth of field and focus, and I'm not sure it's in focus. I'm saying because they actually did that when they interviewed her, yeah. and so they're throwing that into. Kind of hang a lantern, I guess, on it, but it it works
2: really well. In the well sense yeah, of it's an honest moment. They, she's a, uh, I mean, she was an actress, but she was also crazy. They talk about it's like all the things that they're t- he's talking about. It's like yeah, and she's she's a veterinarian and she's got a law degree and all that. <laughs> according to her, you know, or, or right, whatever yeah. whatever list of crazy qualifications. Um, it's the the filmmakers are like that was her that she totally per- said she. <laughs>
0: Which, by <laughs> the way, if you've ever held an open casting call for any project ever, oh, especially yeah. small projects like these you will see those actors those, I, I, those actors will, those actors there's a guy if you're looking for a 12 a 12 year old boy there's there's exactly. a guy that auditions at full sale for every yep. film full sale ever does and he's just he's he's the male version of that <laughs> of that
3: woman there's a very famous it's radio there's man. a very famous waiter who does a lot of catering events in la and he used to and he used to like cater at like big time dinners for you know people and things things like the golden globes shit he would literally put his headshot under every plate (laughs) that's (laughs) amazing that that man exists to cap
0: off the uh i would i would love to hold an open (laughs) casting call and just get as many of those people as you could and then all put the put them all in the same movie
3: yeah i you can tell that her reaction to pounding the scotch here that's that's real she is not enjoying that (laughs)
1: that's <laughs> just it's good um, scotch is delicious to cap to cap the interview thing well, right? I, I have one last thing before yeah, yeah, you cap it yeah, yeah, off yeah. if i can okay, uh, just on the subject of that uh, i think i've actually brought this up before but i had the opportunity to test a theory i had long held about how to be a good interviewee mm-hmm. uh not an interviewer and it, oh it, yes it, i saw your
0: interviewed interviewee skills yes in and, and basically i saw quite a bit of you and yeah, uh, well, fucking
1: <laughs> see i told you it works he used me constantly in that movie uh all i did was john who we're talking right now about backyard blockbusters which is a documentary that'll be out someday um but just in general he would ask me questions like okay so tell me a little bit about this period of time and i wouldn't go well and start talking that's his question well whatever whatever, <laughs> whatever it was i, yeah. I made yeah. up i made He's up a question yeah uh but I, I, he, he would ask me the question and i wouldn't go well i was you know i would go hmm and just sit there, and he'd be rolling awkward-ass footage of me just sitting there not saying anything for 20 seconds. But I'd form my sentences and say them all in just one big... Pe- it comes out in one big perfect paragraph Good. with yeah. no ums. And he used every single one of <laughs> those. <laughs> well, because it wasn't like, oh, it was this, but... Oh, but also, you know, it was, you know... Was... Oh,
0: oh yeah, and the other right. thing
3: was this... Th- and, there were no
1: false uh, starts.
0: Uh,
3: uh, um, well, okay, so... Yeah, yeah. The more that's the more what you likely, want to avoid. The, more, the more you do that, the more likely or the less likely an asshole like me is going to like repurpose your your answers for something. Chop else. you up into
1: tiny little bits. So he kept all of my racism totally intact.
3: Good, good, <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, Brian recently helped me with uh, he ran camera on an interview I did for this guy that I'm trying to sell a show about and um and cool guy by the way, really cool guy, really interesting guy, and very intelligent, very articulate, but he had a propensity to ramble, and he. And, and not only that, but he was very much aware of like how he wanted to be presented, and he didn 't want to, he specifically did not want to be um, misrepresented, but he also knew that we were trying to market and sell him essentially and so it was it was a very interesting sort of back and forth like trying to get him to get to an answer we were both happy with but while i mean so it, 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 when you interview somebody a lot of times you have to be extraordinarily sensitive to who they are as people and and also get what you need to accomplish out of it. You need to get an answer that is one of a few things and you want it to be them and you want it to be authentic, but by the same token, it has to sort of support your narrative. So a a big skill in an interviewer is to know exactly what you're getting, accept it while guiding it in a way that doesn't feel like that person has been an interviewer is almost a director in that sense absolutely a director in the, yeah because uh, you are direct and it's very much you have to be of aware directing. of the larger story and how this person's
0: information and their their component of the story will fit into the big picture
3: i, I always i always describe it like this making a narrative film is baking because it's got to be precise and you got to measure and you've got to you know you got to measure your flour to a specific thing because there's chemical reactions that are happening you know if you don't if you don't light this specifically then this shot won't work and won't line up and all this other stuff whereas i feel like documentary or non-narrative is more like cooking it's like you're on the fly you've got it in the pan oh it needs more salt throw it in boom you're done you have to be aware of things that present themselves as they come uh because sometimes you start filming and it goes in a completely different direction capturing the freedmen's was originally just supposed to be a documentary about clowns and oh did that change once they found this storyline that appeared to them so you have to you have to pivot and there's a similar thing with king of kong too King of Kong, absolutely. Like a lot of documentaries start off that way, where they start off as one thing, but then they're like, "No, the story is here. This is yeah. our story." Or lost in, and, lost in La Mancha. Lost in La Mancha. Yeah, I mean things things happen uh,
0: overnight. I think would be the yeah, yeah. overnight.
3: Those guys used, were best friends with Troy yeah. Duffy, and yeah. we want to make a, sudden, a documentary about our best friend. Oh, and he turns out to be a raging asshole psychopath. Absolutely. And I think in, in faux documentaries, found footage of movies like this, especially it, you know, you have to. It, it's the same process. You start off with okay, this is what it's going to be, but we have to deviate and we have to accept and we have to manipulate in post and in production, too. You know, like I said, they would give them they would leave them their daily rations of food and water because they were legit in the woods. It was here. the Hunger Games. Yeah, they, gave them, they, they would leave them in a basket along with like a little sheet of paper for each person saying, today we want you to explore this. Today we want you to start a fight with Josh. Today we want you to do this. Like, we want you to bring this up. She's going to act this way. We want you to react this way. And they would line them all up sort of in direct opposition to sort of see what would happen, stir the pot,
2: you know. Right on. But, but so, it, it is worth pointing out, and as someone, um, I really like the way someone put it in the... Uh, Um, in the uh, forum, and I can't remember who it was, but basically said, it was basically LARPing. That they were doing, like the, the directors, <laughs> the directors were the were the GMs, and just going, "Here's what's happening today, go." And they just kind of inhabited this, the you know, the the their characters, and just role played through the the things, and and of course, being a a movie, they're able to cut it down and continue crafting the narrative yeah. after. But,
3: Josh is totally a high elf. Yeah, but
0: it but it is worth. Uh, but if they were LARPing, where are the giant foam
2: swords? <laughs>
0: I don't understand.
2: It it is worth pointing out, though. Uh, I mean, we've kind of we've been talking about it as a as a documentary and even a faux documentary but it is worth pointing out that that's exactly how they do it whereas mm. now i think a lot of found footage and and one reason i feel like a, a lot of found footage movies today don't capture quite the same uh, reality as this one does is because they are scripted. They're not as free for They're, they're yeah. heavily scripted right. and, and basically they write what they want them to say and they're trying right. to make it they're trying to make it seem natural but a lot of times they're getting people who aren't really necessarily great actors because they want that naturalism as well and it's like the two things are clashing into each other yeah. instead of just letting them be.
0: One or, last or, quick or thing about interviews and documentaries in general before we move on. Here's a good Bit of a if you are ever interviewing somebody, or you are the interviewee itself, if you're the interviewer, ask the interviewee to rephrase your question in their answer. Incorporate yes. the question. Incorporate form an answer, the yeah. question of the answer.
3: It's a a if, cardinal piece of direct advice about doing documentaries. If your intention horror who wants to be on a reality show, if you do that in your casting interview, you'll get cast. They will fucking love you. Like they they'll yeah. just it's just if you if you play the game well, and that's what they refer to when they say play the game is like if you if you get the producers on your side, that's the best way. So
0: it's like and so instead of if somebody asks you or you're asking, how long have you known Josh? And you say 5 years. Don't don't just say 5 years. You say I've known
3: Josh 5 years. Yeah. Because when you cut around it like how is that a sentence? Like you have to form the complete sentence, but right. um I was going to say uh, shoot you're going to cap off the interview thing no I wasn't I was going to no, go something. back on yeah. I was going uh, go to uh, like I was Mar- talking about talking how, talking about it's how freeform or it it's more yeah you know, um, you know the thing is is like you said you know, sometimes they're not good actors well sometimes they are good actors sometimes they're bad improvers ah. and that's the big thing is that yeah. these guys they ran improv games with these guys uh, and they specifically sought out actors for, for improv more so than line reading they cast with improv which is maybe partially why some of these actors didn't do as well because their natural improv but maybe not the best line readers like maybe they're just not the best, mm. you know, and I, that's pure speculation who knows uh, Like I said, Josh is the only one who's had any sort of success outside of this and and his is mostly in mumblecore movies right. You know um, he's he's with the Duplass brothers and he does he's done a few movies uh, with them. <laughs> although but there was yeah.
2: there was also a weird backlash against you know the actors yes, was this, and yes, how it's like. What you're you're supposed to be dead? I thought it was real. Well, not that because like, they
3: weren't even SAG at this point. Right? Like, they they right. were they were some young struggling actors. So um, oh, so was was it an industry backlash in the sense that you guys are you you crashed the gates? I think there was a lot. I think there was a lot of. I think there's a lot of like resentment. Like you guys did this for so fucking cheap, and this movie made. Bank. Bank This movie this was For a every dollar They money. spent on this
0: movie They made almost $11,000 <laughs> yeah. That's the ratio Yeah it, 11 to it, 1 It was ridiculous 11, to And one. not
2: only
3: 11, that There's also one, yeah. um, the, three, the three actors <laughs> 11, Presented <laughs> to 1 Yeah God damn that, <laughs> that, year, that year The three actors Presented at the Video Music Awards And they came out To applause And I remember One of the guys Going like If you're one of the Three people Who hasn't seen it yet What are you doing Like, And there was a bit Of hubris around it Especially like Dan Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez I don't think Did themselves any favors In the press Immediately after this movie Right um, uh, was it an overnight sort of situation? They're not no they were legit good guys. I mean guys, they're not, they, not
0: obviously to the extent of Troy Duffy did
3: No, but they they did talk very much as Troy if Duffy-ness. like as if their careers were set. You know, they right. did sort of had that they talked about this movie called Heart of Love that they were going to make which they never made. Like they've individually directed just some directive video horror
1: stuff and that's about it and not with yeah. any frequency. So, uh, one of the other things about the careers of people after this movie is that the girl all three of them had like one or two other acting credits. Although the one Eddie was talking about has has a bunch of Mumblecore movies and like TV episodes. He had like a five episode stint on one of those procedural. Oh, crime shows. um,
3: there's he also just did a movie directed by Vera Farmiga, uh, and he is amazing in that. They're letting women direct things now. Yeah, I know it's crazy. They, they play with fire too. It's strange. Uh, <laughs> it's called it's it's a religious movie. I forget the name of it, but he plays like a strong evangelical, and they they do some fucking acting, man. Like he's really really solid in that. Hmm. So well, the girl.
1: Went on to get a book deal, <laughs> and I think it's already been published. I think it's out. Uh, it's about her time growing medical marijuana, and I think the yeah. book is called Grow Girl. Yeah. She,
0: hmm. After this, she went into medical marijuana as a as a grower, which is
1: crazy because of the three of them, she's not the one I would have pegged. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: Josh Leonard.
0: Honestly, looks... I would have pegged all three of these guys as, as yeah. medical marijuana Yeah. Ma-
1: Mike,
3: the guy Mike here, Mike who plays Mike, um, he <laughs> he's been in a few other movies that Dan Merrick has made that's about it though. I don't know. I think he's just done some other sort of side work. So,
2: yeah. Okay, he's, let's have a... an. Oh, go ahead. Well, he's he's also just a lantern hanger this entire movie. Pretty and much, yeah. He's like, why are you still taping? What, why are we right. doing this? Why are we Which doing that? Which you need. Which yeah. you absolutely need. Yeah.
3: I, I give I give the filmmakers a lot of credit. They definitely knew what they wanted these characters to be throughout the entire thing. So even yeah. as the circumstances, even as the plot changed around them, they knew, okay, they have to react as these characters.
1: Now, let's yeah. have an abstract conversation that will finish in Apollo 18. But okay. basically, how do you authentically fake a found footage project like this like what is the what goes into making it work what has to work otherwise the movie doesn't work i think oh go ahead
2: no no you go you go
3: um i think you gotta stay true to the nature of the footage that you find like the camera
1: motivations and all that
3: i think yeah it's like yeah you you create the world that created this thing you create the technology that created this thing because if, if if paranormal activity would have been shot in 24p would it really have been that believable? Would you have really bought it? Would it have added to a sense of realism? Even people who don't, aren't aware of the technical side of it. They instincti- they intuitively know sort of what it is <laughs> we're supposed to be. That, yeah.
2: it's, that, I mean, that, it's, one,
1: that these things look like
2: this and these other things look like yes. this. Yeah, if there had been better production value on paranormal activity, it actually would have it, it worked have, against it. it yeah,
1: that was yes. a complaint about Blair Witch 2, which is that they did a found footage movie with like it beautiful uh, fucking huge-ass no, cameras. W-
3: no, Blair Witch 2 wasn't really a found footage movie. Oh, was it, okay. was it was a narrative movie yeah. that, that incorporated elements of found footage for scenes that, like, oh, we found that some more footage. <laughs> so, it was yeah, it was bad. And it was directed <laughs> okay. by... It was directed by bruce sanofsky who's like one of the best documentarians out there and it just fell flat on its ass um but uh no i think you got to stay true to what it is you're doing and we'll talk more about this politics because that's my main issue with it yeah is that it it, it takes a lot of liberties with the notion of what i mean there's no soundtrack in this uh because there would be one and whatever edits they make are motivated properly and whatever sound design there is is very hidden it's very hidden sound designed where it feels like it should be part of the natural environment the way they cut it's actually it's actually cut very tightly and very well um you know, and and my only issues with it have nothing to do with the fact that you, you believe the world that they're in right now. Right. Paranormal activity, I think, does that extraordinarily well as well because it's it's largely one camera and then some some webcams, and yeah. the sound acts accordingly. And if they step away from the mic, guess what? You don't hear them. That's something that the same way that happens in this when yeah. they're talking to the guys on the on the
0: river fly fishing. That's that's part of it. Yeah. And you, when they some of them wander off into the woods. You
2: don't catch that. And that's to uh, me, that's the most powerful part of the ag- ending. Agreed. And I think that's well. the, I think
0: that's the main difference between uh, a found footage movie that works in something like Apollo thirteen that does or oh, fuck mate. Apollo eighteen that doesn't. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do penance for that later. Brian, uh, you don't even like Apollo thirteen. <laughs> yeah. Uh you only like space. Yeah. Um is Is that quality of your – so the the found foot – if you're going to do something found footage, you're adding an additional constraint to the way you're telling the story. And it's a huge constraint as to what you're allowing yourself to communicate to the audience clearly because you're just saying, well, if, if I don't have a camera in the universe to capture that, then I can't capture that. I, I by the rules I've set up for myself, I'm not allowed to to capture that. No. And here they in Blair Witch they really do abide by that. In Apollo eighteen, for example, they don't. Yeah. And they don't <clears throat> part of that requires you to trust the audience very, very heavily. And they tr- in Blair Witch they trust the audience to like, well, if we weren't able to give it to you by the rules we set up for ourselves, then sorry, you don't get that, but we're still confident in the whole thing. In Apollo 18, you're like no, we have to set up all this so we're gonna have all these things that wouldn't exist based on the the
1: yeah. constraints. We're breaking our own rules that we said we would follow.
0: We're bre- yeah, esen- it, es- essentially it boils down to we're breaking our own rules because we don't trust you, the audience, to get it if we don't spoon feed
2: as much well, as you would on get the, in on the fill. on the other hand. There's there's we're breaking we're breaking our own rules because we've we've reached the boundary of what we can tell right. within that. Right. Be- because yeah. I would point out that the other side of that coin that uh, that does it And it's like, well, fine, but keep going. Is uh District Nine? District Nine starts as a found footage that's movie, a good, that's essentially, a good yeah, and right. then it and then it just kind of gives up just, on that eventually,
0: which I consider a f- a flaw of District I, Nine. I agree. It, I it makes it 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 gives it an identity crisis, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I get you. And I wish they had just gone one way or the I other. Agree. I but do I'm agree. I'm glad that they. When they came up upon that constraint, they just said, "Fuck it, we'll just make a normal <laughs> yeah. movie," as opposed to really constraining themselves and really cutting their own movie off at the knees. Yeah. When if when they came upon that obstacle,
3: the magic bean theory holds true for found footage just as much yes. as it does, and and, like, yeah. and it really does redefine itself, like uh, you know, in, in its terms, like uh, the magic bean of the movie. The, the, it can be a found footage movie on planet. Zarm Black filmed by the alien species fine but if uh, you can still stay true to the genre of it's a found footage movie Mm -hmm. and can still feel and give you that sense of realism that you're striving for one of the things I loved about uh, The Last Exorcism was that the girl that gets possessed the girl they cast for it was a contortionist so when they're doing the exorcism for it she's Fucking herself up, and you buy it because there's no trickery there. She's mm. actually bending her shit around and contorting, and like it's a totally believable performance because there's you know hmm. there's no there's no wonkery to it. There's a um, there's one CG shot at the end of uh, the first paranormal activity, and I think I think it, I think they depending earn it. on which er- ending you watch. Yeah, depending on which ending <laughs> you watch. So the the main one that, that's theatrical. Uh, I think they earn it. I think they need it. I think. But I think if your VFX shot list on a found footage movie is more than five, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you know I, that I just I don't. You have to
2: be very careful. Well, depending on what you're going for. I mean, Cloverfield, for example, obviously, it was yeah,
3: right, Through yeah, the yeah. Roof. Okay. But, <laughs> or but how long was it until we saw the monster? How long was it until we saw? It was saw, a good. It was easily you know, half like, the movie. they, they earn least. it. They earn yeah. it at that point. I mean, yes, by the very nature, you're making a monster wreck city film. You need some big spookies on made by a computer. But again, they, they earn it. They take their time, and the world behaves
1: as it does with this thing intruding on it. Yeah. Now let's go back to Blair Witch for a while so we don't blow our whole conversation before we get to Apollo 18, where I we can talk we'll... about bad examples. Yeah. <laughs>
3: we can talk a lot about camera work alone. Ooh. I mean, it's, you know.
1: Well, are they doing camera work right in this?
0: They're, they... they're, do- they're doing it right in the sense that the camera is always a character in and of itself, and the character of the camera work informs the character of everything and the tone of the story. And so, yes, this the character of this camera regardless of who's holding it it works precisely with the character of the whole piece and it it enhances it enhances the suspension of disbelief on my or it helps my suspension of disbelief right. it doesn't break my suspension of disbelief
3: to me to me like the camera work here does what the score does in a, no, a normal movie which is advocate for tone and feeling like the score is to sort underline of, the emotion. Yeah the, the, yeah exactly so the behavior of the camera in this like it gets it gets shakier and shakier and you could are you the reason why is because they're tired the more fatigued the camera by nature is going more they worried. care
0: less and less about the actual exactly they, yeah they,
3: then they just finding their way and not being lost and just surviving and so as the movie progresses it sort of informs how we as an audience are supposed to feel and I think when done right found footage movies do that in an extraordinarily good way which is why like in other movies where they have score it's like you don't need score like if you if you do it right you or if you do it in the way much way this outlines it, you get that same sense of feeling you know Joss Whedon said it you know it's like you know, it gives the score gives emotion, it gives permission to our, our feelings. And if you take away the score, it's incredibly unsettling. You know, it's like provided what you do on screen is engaging, it can
1: be very unsettling to not have score. Fair enough. I was just thinking. You know what else is? It's not entirely a found footage movie, but it's a found footage documentary to a certain extent. Is um, Grizzly Man, where you just. A, a, yeah. a certain portion of that movie, maybe as much as a third or half of it. I still need to see it. Is that on Netflix? Yeah, it, okay. was, it, it was. It was yeah. a few months or ago at least. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it still is or not. Um, is literally they just got his tapes and they used his footage, and you see a bunch of the shit that. There's even a, a moment in that that I thought was really funny because Timothy Treadwell was clearly who he was, but he was also a little bit fucking insane um, because there are he he there's a they just roll the film of this one particular thing he did this one time where he was trying to get like B-roll shots of himself jumping off of cliffs and stuff so they could use it to edit the movie later, which was kind of, it, it comes across as sort of insane when you're watching it. And he like does like this, this one crossing of the camera, like five times to get it right and shit like that. And that's all just in the film. He left a bunch of footage and they assembled a doc out of it. And it's almost, when I was watching it, I forgot it was found footage when we're watching him. I don't know where I'm going with this.
2: Well, what do
0: you mean you forgot it was found footage? It felt like well, it it felt just, like, it just felt like fictional like... accounts at a certain point? No, it felt like...
1: Or if, it felt did normal. you feel
0: the hand of a director?
1: No, not at all. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, I felt, I felt the hand of the director in the overall in the movie. Yeah, yeah, but in those scenes, it was just oddly... Was it clammy? It seemed fine. Yeah, the other hand was clammy. Uh, it seemed fine. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't announce itself the way it announces itself here. But that might also be because for the most part, Treadbill was filming himself on a tripod. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but when I when I see stuff like this, like for instance, and this is weird, and it hadn't occurred to me until yesterday that I had even done this, let alone done this twice. But I've made two short films that were found footage movies. It hadn't occurred to me that that was what I was doing with either of them, but Movers is a found footage movie, which doesn't motivate its camera work. And Sad (laughs) Max is a found footage movie that I think does, with the exception of it's a nicer camera than his webcam would be. But it explains why the camera's there and what it's doing and why he's using it. Um, It just didn't occur to me that even though I have absolutely no experience with found footage movies... I made two. <laughs> two. I make two short film movies that <laughs> so are. So, you do are,
0: have experience with found footage
1: movies? I, I guess so, yeah. But I, don't, I saw Chronicle and uh, Cloverfield, and then yesterday I saw this in Apollo 18. I was going to watch Paranormal Activity, but ran out of time. Paranormal Activity is good. I actually watched only watched Paranormal
0: Activity as I was working on my own, not my own, but I was working on a found footage uh, film. Uh, so, I was like, also kind of from the, in the Paramount sphere. So, I was like, oh, okay, so this is kind of what we're huh. working towards
1: three actually <laughs> a oh. sign of the times <laughs> that that wow. the, the the one that we wanted to make for the technicolor that, that's a big generational
3: statement well i've never seen one before but let's make seven
1: yeah. exactly <laughs> that's exactly why man and that's got to be why they're such a popular thing to do these days is because you know you if you if you do it right conceivably you can actually make one of these for the cheap well, I, mean, well, I, I think it, part it, i think part of why not to say i made it right i'm just saying that's why it, it happens um I think part
0: of it is as, and i don't remember where or when but as i know i've talked about before is like i think our the the difficulty of suspension of disbelief or the sophistication of the general public's suspension disbelief gets higher and higher culturally as time goes on so it's harder to get an audience to willingly suspend disbelief than it would have been 10 20 50 years ago on well, certain I, levels
1: I, I, th- I an additional problem related to that though is that it's uh, something that gets thrown around a lot when talking about movies is it's a total rebuff of that, or it's a total rebuff of this. And there's only so many ways you can motivate the camera work in a, in a particular movie. In this case, kids that are going out to do a documentary and they're not very good at it. That's one way. But now, if any other movie tries to do even that, just as a framework for whatever completely different thing happens in the movie, it's still going to feel like a Blair Witch ripoff, even though all they're ripping off is the. But the idea have, of, they have yeah. to have the camera somehow, then that's how they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the Blair Witch. We, we have this. There's only so many ways you can motivate camera
0: work. We have this total backlash against doing this the sort of the same thing over and over again in our society that I don't feel is really justified. Like, yeah, I get. Okay, we, do we really do we really need to do Sherlock Holmes again like what are you doing Sherlock Holmes wise that is different than the other guy who's already doing Sherlock Holmes at the exact same time that's
1: that's crap I, right now you're throwing the American Sherlock Holmes under the bus right yes the okay, uh, elementary good. thing good, yes. good 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 yes not not Sherlock if you throw Sherlock under the bus but there's
2: and the answer is often well I don't get a piece of that right yeah <laughs> I'm not getting a check for that one yeah and that's
0: But that's going back to what you're saying. If anybody does a found footage of kids walking into the woods, they're going to go, oh, it's just the Blair Witch. Even with Blair Witch, people people went, oh, it's just, no, it's stupid. And people forget that our entire culture is based around different people taking the same handful of ideas and expressing them in their own way. If you look at, okay, take the Last Supper or anything or the Annunciation of Christ or any major elements from the Christian mythology, there are 10,000 artists from Da Vinci right. and everybody else that did their own version of the Annunciation of Christ or whatever, or the crucifixion. Christ. It's like, okay, here are the five main events of Christian mythology, and we're just going to keep redoing those
2: for 2,000 years. I it's the same, Christ. It's the same basic idea. And it's, it's so... It, it is... A little strange and we've i mean we've talked about it before and we're, now we're just spinning way off the yeah. the beaten trail here <laughs> but um it is interesting compu- that 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 almost seems like a very sp- thing that's very specific to film because it's like no one no one ever asked that question they're like oh you're doing hamlet well what are you doing <laughs> yeah. it's like well i'm just unless doing unless you're hamlet. orson wells like, and you yeah. make it this whole third reich thing everyone does hamlet everyone just does okay. Hamlet. Well, and I mean, it's not weird to do the, hamlet the
3: answer is very simple it's because it's because it's not us doing hamlet it's not us right. it's and it's not even just mo- it's not mon- money motivated it's us being like I want to take a crack at this. I just yeah. wrote a comic book. My comic book story, when you boil it down, is essentially the the mythological tale of Prometheus. If you boil all my story down to its brass tacks, that's it. That's all it is. People have been telling that fucking story forever. Do you know how many goddamn romantic comedies are Pygmalion? Like it's just it's yeah. just the way it is. But it's the, it's us Pretty doing woman. it. woman, and it just occurred yeah. to me but that 10 Orson Welles I hate is about you. Like it's just it's, it's everything. It's, it's us doing it. That's how art happens. Like that's yeah. just the way it is.
1: Just occurred to me that Orson Welles, uh, his famous. Uh, Third Reich Macbeth is actually if you look at it in a certain way it's just a Macbeth fan film it's yeah. just a Macbeth fan theater production Right. right. Any, like, any Shakespeare I'm gonna do it but I'm right. gonna do it like this Yeah. Any now, Shakespeare. Or, or, or in the, in the, the place, chat yeah. room Joe just said so do you have to deliberately add a little fuck up to make it look like the real people who lack a professional background shot your movie not necessarily if the people in the movie that's a found footage movie we're talking about right. if the people in the found footage movie are real cameramen then you have real shitty camera work you know you have actual Unedited, well, but you good if it, camera work If they're these, not professional, these, these kids aren't professional cameramen at all. in the story. If they were, you could have the exact same movie. It's just that they're better at holding the camera still and not dutching every single shot. But that, but, uh, he, but he's saying isn't
2: doesn't that improve the sense of found footageness? It might.
0: Yes, but, but it, I think, it goes back to the camera being a character. If yeah. the... If the character, if the, whoever's holding the camera is already that character, then no. If it's a professional cameraman behind the camera, then you, you have to tell that cameraman to Although, act that way. It just to, occurred
1: to me to act to act that. Maybe if you have a professional cameraman, if if your conceit of your found footage movie is that this guy was, we had three or four professional. If you wanted to make a. a fucking found footage movie out of the the concept of that we went out and shot an actual like a, sh- a show for the history channel or something but then these guys never came back but their footage came back it's going to look like that kind of stuff but what you lose if you have a professional cameraman in your found footage movie story is that incredibly useful device of I didn't even think the camera was filming at that time and I was just filming right. the ground and you're hearing the voices. Sure. Right. You lose that kind of stuff if right. you have professional cameras in your story.
3: Well, I mean, the other thing is, is, I think we're approaching the question wrong. It's like, well, it's like, okay, so what makes it a found, like, what's a, the what's a benchmark for a found footage movie? How much you shake the camera? When should you shake the camera? It, you, the the point of it is, is that these kids are getting legitimately in real life more tired, more exhausted, more, comb- frustrated. more frustrated, more scared. Too. Yeah, more scared. Like combined with, I mean, in, in spite of the fact of what their characters are feeling, in real life they're tired and sweaty and stinky and they're hungry like the, and as as such you combine that with the performance they layering on top of it by its nature the cam work is going to be shitty because they were never that good to begin with like so it's expressing itself that way and so it's, it's just authentic it's, it's authentic and that's what you're sensing it's not okay you can't measure it out and, and parcel out and like oh three shakes this way two down that yeah. down that th- way and yeah. I think it's, I
2: think a lot of found footage movies now try to do that exactly, and that's, why yeah, exactly. exactly. that's the failing of them yeah. exactly
3: Paranormal activity works. The guy in that movie is not that good of an actor but the girl is fantastic she's amazing and like and and she's the reason why that movie works the performances and i think that's what we've sort of gotten away from is the fact that oh if we sound design it this way and shake it this way as another movie which we may or may not review today uh you know if we do this then therefore that a found footage movie makes but in reality like any other movie geniuses it starts with the performances it starts with it starts with you know what emotion are you bringing what story are you telling this middle section of movie is my absolute favorite of the movie and is what to me works best because the scary getting lost yeah, in the woods stuff th- they were lost in the woods and what was their main concern not oh i hope there's not a blair witch out here their main concern was we gotta get the dat back by tomorrow i gotta yeah. be at yeah. work by nine like i'm pissed because of that that laid the foundation for things to really go off the rail now I and mean, and they're having a they're having a little rest but right now it's the characters, their own fears are amplifying and echoing off of one another. This movie works best to me as a sociological experiment in terms of what, you know, how can you see societal mores break down in extreme circumstances?
1: So I don't know if it worked or not, uh, but I was thinking when you guys were talking about trying to fake found footage, uh, which obviously with the exception of maybe the Blair witch to, to a different degree, most found footage movies are totally faked. Um, in Movers, which isn't like the world's best short film or anything like that, but I'm happy with how it turned out for being I'm, as, I'm a fan of Movers. as incredibly weird and fucking Damon Lindelof as it is, um, the last scene in Movers is you a scene... You didn't question God enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And The last scene in Movers is a scene between Brian and Carolyn, and Brian is the director of the movie. I'm the cameraman, so I'm actually always carrying the camera, and Brian's the director, and he's just talking to Carolyn, in char- they're both in character, about shit. Like, obviously they're not interviewing her in that moment or anything like that, but the film is, you know, about this girl going off in a spaceship and how it runs itself and blah, 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 blah. And then it goes in a certain direction and leaves you hanging. But there's a scene between Brian and Carolyn where he's just like asking her questions. And the point of that conversation from a writing standpoint is just to say, here's how the systems work. Here's this, here's that. But the way I played it was we filmed it, you know, the way it would be filmed in a normal movie, like five or six times where I was just like look back and forth and back and forth between them filming them. And then on like the sixth or seventh take, I literally said alright action and then I just walked away from them and started just filming her hat and playing with her hat and just basically pretending like the cameraman's trying to get b-roll and not even paying attention to them talking and that's the one I ended up using which is basically a shot of an, like an uncut just the cameraman's fucking around with different stuff trying to find b-roll while this conversation is happening in the background and I, I like that a lot more just as a, as a weird point of interest sidebar note well, well part,
0: wh- of, part of it is it to tell a story efficiently and economically so that it's continually compelling is you should always be striving to do as many things and always at least more than one thing in a scene in any given time if your scene is just exposition just the character saying here's the information the audience needs to know to understand the story then that's going to be dull and that's the that's the famous misstep in temple of doom where it's okay we have this you know big exposition scene to get out so we'll have the weird creepy uh food to freak everybody out. And so we're, it's that basic idea of trying to do two things at the same time. And with found footage, it becomes more difficult to do that when you're either genuinely or pretending to rely on you know footage that you don't really have control over. Especially in a found footage movie, if you're doing it right, there's more... Uh, a lot more improvisation so you may not have this like perfect orchestration of two or three yeah, yeah. or four things all going on at the same exposition time
1: exposition isn't the only currency of a found footage movie
0: yeah and if exposition is the only thing that's going on then it's not as compelling as it as a movie needs to be to hold people's interest yeah in and, terms so, of, and so it's harder to or, i guess my point is it's harder to orchestrate that sort of like two or three or multi-layer uh kind of things going on in a scene that provides that compelling quality to scenes that keeps people's interest you, you, when it's a found footage
2: you uh, almost thing. have to like like you were talking about with movers you have to pretend like the important part is a happy accident yeah you know, that's, you have it. To that's, that's yeah. it that's, about, that's that the much more concise
1: way of saying what I was trying yeah. to say I just noticed something that makes I have a question about the movie now because later on spoilers uh, they find a little Actually, they find a faggot with, um, <laughs> a with quite literal with one. Uh, with uh, Josh. You were so happy to say that. Yeah. It was great. It's the proper context of this horrible word. Yeah. Yeah. They found uh, a, a bundle of sticks with like a piece of fabric and like bloody stuff in it. And the implication is that it's like teeth and a tongue and stuff like that. But I just noticed that Josh has like a wolf tooth on a necklace. And when I watched it yesterday, I didn't know what was in that little bundle. I, I had to look at the wiki to see the words "tongue" and "teeth" and stuff. Because uh, people a,
2: think it's a tongue, it's it's actually just the teeth.
1: It's just it, well, teeth, I, hair, and blood. I was just wondering, maybe it was his necklace because he has a giant tooth necklace. It's it's meant to be like he got his a bunch teeth. Of th- his teeth. teeth yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So. the one teeth you get a
2: clear shot of is clearly a human tooth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, a lot a lot of this. I mean, we just went past the point where they. Uh, where Mike admits that he's he's kicked the he map kicked the, into yeah. the into the creek. That was a weird beat for me. It's, it's just, a weird it's beat. It's the
0: single beat in
2: this movie that I don't buy. It's a weird say. beat, but the, the but on the other hand, that's something that he just up and did. That wasn't even part of the thing. He was just he was so frustrated that the guy actually did it, but he thought that the other characters saw him do it. He thought he was like going to be able to create drama out of doing it uh. and they didn't. And that's why he started cracking up in that scene because he's like, oh my God, they still ha- they still don't know that I did that. <laughs> and then it finally came out and like, it, you know, their, their reactions were much more genuine because they had yeah. no idea he'd yeah. done that. They're,
3: Fuck you. No,
2: um, kind of going off what you guys were saying earlier, like when you think about it,
3: this movie doesn't have a lot of plot. Like they yeah. get lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. Creepy things happen. They lose one of them. They finally get house, sort yeah. of the end. Yeah, and I think a lot the of the end I, I, question I, mark, mark. I think a lot of movies, let alone found footage movies, I think a lot of movies, especially if they're like third or fourth in the genre, seem to think like, oh, let's add more plot. Let's yeah, just yeah. add more plot, and let's add more twisty things, and let's make rocks come alive and whatever. And I think to its detriment. <laughs> and I yeah. think, uh, and I think you, you know, if you just start, um, if you just start with performances and characters that. Largely, do things that make sense. Well, that's the other. That's the
0: other aspect of it. Uh, it's with the found footage context, the suspension of disbelief is higher, and the, you, the amount that you have to mimic reality, the standard by which you have to mimic reality, is higher. And I actually think about your your life in re, your actual reality, real life. When was the last time? something really significant in the plot of your life happens. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't actually happen all that often. Your stories right. are compressed versions of significant events. Well, yeah. and so Most most of your life is just wandering around your proverbial woods going, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh.
2: I, I do have to say, I mean, uh, in, despite not having a lot of plot there's not a lot of major beats um as in terms of watching these like you said a sociological thing watching these characters in essentially their descent into madness um (laughs) their own heart of darkness really there's a I I think there's a Blair Witch's Cthulhu yeah yeah. (laughs) there's a really there's a really good strong progression and it remains interesting to me whereas I, I think that was one of the for me that was one of the failings of paranormal activity which was like it was just very repetitive it was like something scary happened we're scared and we're not going to really do anything about it. And then another scary thing happened and we're scared, but we're not, I mean, we're still going to just you. hang out. And it was just this, kind of the same thing over and over again for like 80 minutes. I, it, I get you. I think, I think largely like I said, there's no, there's it was no more sense of, a of a circle as opposed to a straight line. There's no sense of, or, or, or a, a linear, right, you know, right, there was right. no sense of uh, a, ramp. Yeah. Yeah, a ramp. Yeah. There was no sense of escalation. It was just kind of the same thing. Over there's
3: over there's again. a couple of, uh, like I said, I think largely the fault is on the male actor in that. I think uh-huh. she's great. And I think if she had someone more her caliber, it could be- that Also, also, this benefits from having three people versus two. I mean, when you boil it down to it, Uh, there's
2: one moment a a tiebreaker. There's one moment.
3: There's two beats in in Paramount Activity* that really worked for me. One was in the very beginning when they're still very much happy, and it's a shot of them at the bar, and he's made her dinner, and they're eating, and she just sort of like leans her head on his shoulder, and they're just having a little happy moment. Uh Later on, towards the very end of that movie, they're eating dinner, but they've obviously just ordered in, and they're just eating in silence. And just that that little parallel and contrast is just like Mm. "Mm, that's good. That's you know, but like and when the when that movie worked it did sort of what this movie does on its own naturally a bit better i think and i think again part of it the nature of their circumstances to the fact that there's three people in there versus two people and and thirdly i think it's you know the fact that you have moments like this where it's just crazy running into darkness (laughs) and you know and we hadn't been we hadn't been overexposed to this kind of camera movement now yeah right
2: so, a lot of people, you know, complain they got sick watching it and stuff, which um, I, ne- I never experienced. I've never, but... never
0: experienced that with this Just thank God it wasn't in 3D. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> oh,
3: God. Blur, which we are in 3D. Who wants it? People. Oh man, that. we're we're getting to the point. <laughs> I wouldn't where, want to work
2: on it. I tell you that. You know, much. Well, we're
3: to I the would point. work on that just as just as like just to
2: observe the environment around me. Well, d- just know? in <laughs> terms of having having worked on a lot of stereo conversions, I look at that and I'm like, hell no, I don't want to get anywhere near trying to make that because
1: <laughs> it's all 3D. It's, a, it's motion blurred to shit. Yeah, there's, exactly. There's not a hard line in the whole movie. There's exactly.
2: a leaf you get to match
0: move, and yeah, I know. It's, well, we're getting to the point where you can you could do a found footage 3D movie. Naturally, in sure. camera. Sure. There's some guy walking around DragonCon that had a three D still camera. So it won't be long before we have three D video DSLRs.
2: Dude, yeah. I mean there are there are three D camcorders essentially My now. T- my not... phone
1: has a three D camera yeah, on
2: it. They're not yeah. they're not super cheap yet, except the phone, I guess. But uh, the no, no. Getting...
1: phone <laughs> wasn't cheap either. The Nintendo three D S shoots three D stills.
3: Does it really?
0: Wow. Oh, no. Okay. There's I a 3ds.
1: This is so fucking off the beaten path. It's okay. the 3DS, it's th- a le- there's
2: nothing
0: literally
1: on the screen right now. <laughs> Nor is there anything
3: on the
1: <laughs> There. <beaten path. laughs>
2: <laughs> it was them arguing there's about just a baby breathing Those and yeah. shit. Anyway,
1: is the 3d screen on a, a 3ds a lenticular? It's thing? lenticular. Yeah. Oh, uh, Okay. Cool. By the it's way, actually, really impressive. Dork. Though. I, I, dork. Dork. Man. I, I saw. I went to buy Cabin in the Woods the other day, and I saw the, the lenticular DVD screen. Oh. You're totally right. Yeah. The fucking the, the lenticular. Give the away the whole thing. The lenticular reveal on the Cabin in the Woods screen. You know the the a screen is you know the 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 poster the one sheet with the rubik's cube ca- uh, cabin and then you rotate it and you see the third act like yeah. <laughs>
3: guys hello well yeah the marketing has been like unicorn versus hell beast and it's like thanks guys
1: for that that's yeah, yeah. exactly anyway it occurred to me this is odd and it's, it's not actually germane because it didn't spoil me on the horror movie but i saw one other found footage movie and it wasn't a horror movie it was supposed to be a uh I guess a psychological horror movie or a dread movie but it was a it was on Netflix and it was called zero day are you familiar with this movie mm. it's basically uh Columbine copycats and it's these two kids that are filming that and the titular zero day I have heard of this refers yeah. to, refers to their the day they were going to uh, attack the school they didn't want there to be any sort of planning or anything that the cops could could find out when they were going to do it or they didn't want anyone to stumble upon their date or anything so like they that they
2: recorded everything
1: well <laughs> well, <laughs> well yeah. done that's pretty, not your pretty, fault i'm just <laughs> yeah, pretty much but what the zero day referred to is they were just going to do it the day after the first day it hit zero degrees on the, in that fall in mm. wherever they were um but it was uh it was actually pretty compelling. I think I actually like found footage as a as a <laughs> as a device. I, obviously, there'll be bad ones and good ones, but then again, I haven't seen many scary found footage movies. When done right, no can defend. <laughs> huh? Karate, karate Kid. <laughs> words. <laughs>
0: oh. Um, yeah. Well, the the other aspect of a found footage movie, which we're kind of getting into at this point, is you you st- as the as the circumstances escalate, you have to make some excuse or hang some lantern. As to why they're still bothering to record, yeah. Which has there been a, yeah, not really. Which I think they do well enough here because there's a very conscious on her on her part on her character's part, yeah. And they hang Ahab, all the lanterns on it too. Well, and Ahab quality of uh, to her, like, yeah. no, we got to get this at all costs, and yeah. It's, and it's also,
2: I mean, the the and scene that's, an editor about the scene yes. that's going and on. It's part of, it's part of the circumstances and drama. Yeah, the scene that's going on right now um, helps explain. As well because it because the camera the camera separates for, you. separates you, it forms a barrier between you and what's around and and I kind of I sort of get that in terms of like when they're walking around the house later you know they've got the lights on the camera they need the lights mm-hmm. but she's watching the screen and I feel like if I were in that situation I would totally be the same way I'm like I'm good because because you feel the detachment you know yeah. you, you, you it's not as scary I, if you can look at like as you're framing and stuff there, like there's that. an effect
3: for that and I call it periscoping and uh-huh. when you're and and this is a mistake a lot of documentarians make is that they're not really aware of the world around them it's only what's through the viewfinder whether it's an actual viewfinder or Whether it's just the you know the flip out on the on the camera that you can see, you just that's that's all you're seeing and you're discovering and the camera movement behaves that way, which lends itself to why the camera is shaky. With the camera, you're looking and you're looking the world through the camera, and as you get experience in this sort of craft, you develop a way to be aware of the world and then it's like okay i know this is happening over here and i know i've got to move so i'm just going to move as i would do a normal camera movement i actually and, experienced it's it's a psychological it's a psychological effect because it's just yeah it is a coping mechanism of like I, I remember when i was in england filming something and i i felt really panicked over something that was happening in front of me and my camera work showed it you know as opposed to like okay let me de- t- let me detain let me detach and well, let me see what i can ascertain
0: I, well um I experienced a, a shade or a shadow of that. When I was in Florida, I would go out and watch the the space shuttle launches mm-hmm. go up and I would, I would videotape them. I would record them. And it was like the third or fourth launch before I realized I haven't actually stood here and watched it with my own eyes. I've yeah. only looked at yeah. it through the little flip out LCD screen. Yeah. I was like, I could, there are not that many of them left. I could conceivably, if I don't realize this. Never come out here and witness supposedly half a dozen of these, and never actually watch yeah. them right.
1: I had no intention of filming the uh, shuttle Endeavor fly over through Hollywood a few weeks ago. Uh, no intention to film. I remember it at all. when,
0: when like, Endeavor flew over. I ha- I remember that I was like, okay, I'm going to take right. pictures, and I got great pictures. But I'm going to put the camera down for 30 seconds and just watch it.
1: Yeah, I didn't intend on filming it at all or taking any pictures because I was like, I don't want to miss this shit. And I watched it, and just by I guess the luck of the draw or just where we were in the in the city, we saw it like seven times. Just <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> there it went again. <laughs> and it's just like I'd seen it a bunch of times, and it was so cool. And we were standing on the top of an old CBS building in Hollywood, and I was just like watching it the whole. Like I never lost vision of it. It was just watching. watching it go over there now it's coming back and eventually it's like yeah this is cool I think I'm gonna go down uh back to my office and it was coming right over us like right over us it was low and it was right over us I'm like all right fine and I pull out my camera and I just I'm looking at the shuttle over my camera but I'm just sort of (laughs) basically keeping my hands right under where I'm looking and I look at the footage later I'm like all right nailed that got to watch it and film it even when I was filming it I was watching it (laughs) (laughs) this is great <clears throat> this is actually a really, you, great, a, a really great, a really great moment. Diga <laughs> yeah, the,
2: it's it's a really great moment that they've got coming back to the same log because number one, that because they were being directed by you know the the filmmakers, <laughs> they were they did not know that they were going ending back up back the same place, so they literally they actually walked for like twelve hours and came back to the same place. <laughs> so that frustration is real. Yeah, on, on that on that part, but it's also a really good i we, i mean we've had the we've had all of the the um you know the scary the shaking the tent and stuff like that but that's also a really good standard kind of ghost story um being hunted by something paranormal right. trope is right. you can't escape you, you they, yeah. they they did They've locked you in their arena yeah. and you can't get out you you get this uh, for for me i get the sense you you can argue that you know they weren't looking at the compass right and they walked in a circle, but I get the sense they really did walk south the entire day and they still wound up back where they are because I they're no longer in the reality outside of this you know this being that's on top of. Them. I do too, but I I I really like and I think this is the one of the great
0: examples of what we were talking about before with this open endedness. This of is it. probably my favorite scene in the whole movie, yeah. by the way,
1: where but, he's taunting her. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's a really
1: it's a good performance of it. Yeah,
0: yeah um but this this is a great example of just letting things be um open-ended and not necessarily yeah. clear and it's like no you, and again not to talk too much about apollo 18 but you know that that beat in apollo 18 they would have felt ne- necessity to no they very clearly this you know they did walk south right. all day and it's that's the We've supernatural to, arena thing yeah. here they they trust the audience enough to go this is the way it is, and it can be either it can be one way or it can be other. Really, doesn't matter. Yeah, because we're still working our way towards escalation.
1: Yeah, this is fucked up. Yeah,
2: it's a, it's a good, but just like we were talking about, we're you know, talking the, about the, there's the
1: here's your motivation. Yeah. you're lost, you're angry, and no one's here to help. There's you're the, being chased by a ghost, and no one's here to help. That
2: yeah, scene. it's a great it's a great performance. Her performance is great, but again the His the camera as a character that performance is also this, really great this is
3: Josh holding the camera right yes yeah.
2: yeah and he's and he's yelling at her and stuff like that and you can hear his and, voice and getting in also, his face and that's yeah.
0: that's great because we see the, the character quality of getting in his face expressed through the camera yeah and then and it's, it's also great how they the the other two guys kind of switch yeah. back and forth between who's that line the, I don't like though I'm sorry to interrupt you but the, with it's
3: all my, I have left oh, like that's the one line on, I
0: didn't like it a little to too on the nose lead. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's great how the, the two male characters kind of switch off as antagonists. It's yeah. not mm-hmm. straight one dimensional all the whole time, you know, oh, the girl and then the antagonist guy. And originally it was going to be one of the guys
3: had a romantic interest. Yeah. Right? That was
0: going to be, that was going to be a
3: dimension of, of conflict. And it works so much better without that. it. Like, like it yeah. does. And what's really interesting is like the dynamic between the three is that they everybody's the protagonist and antagonist of somebody else like they all trade off those roles yeah which is why you was saying sociologically it works so well is that they they really get that in my mind this is like the gold standard of directing a found footage movie because they really understand how to nurture performances out of these people and and get the right for get the right thing for two guys whose first film is this like that i don't think they get enough credit really aiding these actors along the way um I, I only wish, like narratively, in the third act, they sort of got it. They stuck the landing. Stuck yeah. the landing. That's my only. And we'll get there.
0: But. Well, as 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 we've talked about before, it's like every every villain is the hero of their own story, mm-hmm. and that's that's just the idea of, you know, it's not a black hat and a white hat; it's two human beings that have differing motivations
2: and goals. Absolutely. And that's like, this this whole movie is a great example of that. They also they point out in the commentary, and we're talking about why does this kind of work as found footage and stuff. There's this, you know, she's sewing up the guy's pants and stuff like that, but she's performing this whole scene performing so to speak you know it's all improv and stuff but she's doing this whole scene with the flashlight in her mouth Mm -hmm. like you can understand like half of what she's saying maybe and that Mm -hmm. is and you would never do that in a real movie you would never allow that to be the case but but because at least you would go back and dub it yeah or adr it but but because they are and they're they're letting it be it's it's feel so much like well that's what was happening in that moment yeah you know what w- they weren't thinking about the camera they weren't thinking about sound or anything like that and that's what makes it feel so natural
3: one advantage of this being a fully formed movie that was cut and then sought distribution after the fact is that it doesn't feel uh, noted it doesn't right. feel it, it doesn't feel noted at mm-hmm. all because it, I, I feel like a lot of times in found footage movies especially and in a found footage movie how would you address a note ADR from off screen, like that's mm. it's the wackity schmackity do syndrome. Like it would just be, it would just be, um, you know, even in even in big Hollywood movies, like the the ADR lines really stand out to me. And my wife has gotten exceptionally good at, at picking up ADR lines. It's weird, but uh, ever since I introduced what those were, she like it, she's got like a sixth sense for them. But here you don't hear like like he was saying flashlights in her mouth you don't hear a clean take of it you know the camera doesn't turn and then you don't finally hear her say but I really love you you know yeah. you don't you don't need to hear that and and, and but my true goal in life is a yeah but the, the, the movie works so much better because of it has there been a found footage comedy yeah uh project x uh was a found footage comedy that was the 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 the, the part the, the movie
0: it, the, i the movie i worked on that i still don't think has seen the light of day was supposed to be a found footage sex and, comedy yeah
2: and depending on how you want to look at it i mean a lot of christopher guest stuff almost the, i mean they're, those, those are, are deliberate document- documentaries, documentaries yeah. but but um that that's right. another thing from um what you were saying at the, at the the very beginning in terms of the the world around it and the creation around it you reminded me when you said that of Christopher Guest movies and, mm-hmm. and how they aid in it. Because if you just show a Christopher Guest movie to people uh, who've... I I mean, it's pretty common now with The Office and stuff. But if they haven't really seen that kind of thing before, they don't really get it. Mm-hmm. But then if you tell them, no, they didn't really have a script. They right. just generally knew what they were going to talk right. about and they you know they're having a conversation so when they say these insane things at each other they don't know that they're going to say those things to <laughs> each other and you're getting these real reactions yeah. from from each character and just the quick wit and stuff like that and and knowing that is i think probably half of why those those movies are funny um, because they're they're if you look at them and they're scripted, they're not as funny. But if you realize that they're off the cuff, then it it's incredibly funny. I love that moment
0: we just passed, by the way, where they're trying to decide which way to go. It's like wait, which which from Wizard of Oz was the bad one? No. The West one. <laughs> okay, let's go east. Yeah. No. It's
2: no. At this point, it's
0: as good a it's re- good logic and, as anything else. Yeah. But it's it's just it's great. I mean, it, it conveys necessary plot information, I guess, or you know, it moves the plot forward. But it just it also shows the degradation of their character at this point and it's just
2: well but i also like that there's still some aspect of character there because on the uh, that's still kind of a joke right he's still kind of kidding around because he's he's lost he's the joker yeah but but yeah it
0: shows it shows the quality of you know you all you are always the person that you are even under the extraordinary circumstances so the way in which you will do certain things change will change the way which you will do things but you will generally do the same thing right even if the way of them changes right take that free will yeah <laughs> <laughs> we are creatures of habit yeah. <laughs> you can change your habits i'm not saying that, that's not possible but if you have a habit built towards doing one yeah. thing you're you will
3: habitually do it so i, th- I think what I, I'm be curious, i think what a lot of good horror movies get that lesser horror movies sort of forget about is a moment kind of just before act three like we're experiencing now which is just a hint of melancholy you know and it's it's not it's not just it's not enough to just be scared and tense and frightened uh all the time having that moment where that realization where the world is no longer the same, which is what we've just had with that whole discussion of what do you normally do on a Sunday? I usually go hiking. That's not going to happen anymore. (laughs) And they're lamenting over just, you know, a meatball or ice cream or something that I I think good horror movies get that. And I, and I think like movie, I, I think they understand that how that can really punctuate you know what what's gonna be utter chaos here in the third act and and it's something i, I think like imitators don't really understand. I don't think the imitators of found footage movies truly understood what made so much of this work you know and and it's character moments
2: like that it's I it's keep, you know. almost like you say before before things go crazy in the third act, it's reestablishing empathy with these characters yeah. because they've been, they've had to be pushed so much further um in situations like this than I mean, you can... You're like, man, if I were in a really stressed out situation, that would suck and stuff like that, but you need the sense of... They can't just become one note, and we were talking about how that scene, that previous scene is actually very nuanced with the mm-hmm. Wicked Witch comment and stuff like that, and and just the idea that, no, these are these are people, and this is, this is scary, but it's also incredibly sad as well, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to have a sense of that, because moving into the end we also need to root for them a little bit we we want to not we we want to want them to not get killed <laughs> right well, how, how many you <laughs> i don't of that know bro? i did that was terrible but <laughs> I, the, we we have to care we have to care whether or not they they get killed and if if you've lost sense of them as human beings then you're kind of just waiting for the the monster yeah. to get them
0: yeah, yeah. At, at the end The are end of people are meatbags like, yeah yeah, is what, yeah. The, the end of the second act beginning of the third act like that transition is you there's a you can have a certain failing in a movie where you become overly concerned with a plot at that point go yeah. okay we've we 've got the events the series of events so far have gotten us up to this point, and that means we 're going to go here before the movie ends, yeah, and you can get caught up and preoccupied with that and so that moment is a great way to go okay no these are these are people these are they 're imaginary people, but your brain doesn 't know that they 're imaginary <laughs> these are real people for you in a real situation remember that and re-empathize with them
3: what i also love is that they don't necessarily know that this is their third act yeah. <laughs> like they don't they don't really know that things exactly. are about to get really yeah. really bad again in real life yeah you, d- you, you don't do. know the
0: act breaks in your own life In <laughs> and, and at least until after the fact you know, yeah. Yeah.
3: really quickly they, you guys brought up a really good point earlier about how like oh, most, most people's lives <laughs> are just mundane and I, I thought i've thought about this recently because i just got on blu-ray but Daisy and confused um Weird movie to bring up now, I know, but uh, but when you think about it, and and Richard Linklater talks about it, like there's so many, he's like there were so many teen romantic high, high school comedy movies that all this crazy shit happens, you know, people die. It's all this, it's like, but for most of us, high school is just really boring, mm-hmm. and the last day of school, it's just let's You're just oh shit,
1: oh, oh, take a drink.
3: Oh, I fucked up. Uh, weird i have that off that's weird um the but last day of school is about running down the clock r- right out the clock and getting Waiting really drunk and enjoying it strike and three. out of that but by having good characters that say things that we can understand and sympathize it's a it's a memorable movie that people still beat that's beloved to this day and and yeah i kind of like wish i we should start an anti-plot movement uh, and yeah. in, in movies <laughs> that i days. believe that's
2: Dogma ninety five is it not?
3: <laughs> no, dog no dogma. Oh no, dogma ninety five has tons of fucking plot movement. Like there's ah. there's tons of crazy shit happening, and it's just very low aesthetic. It's ah. just the aesthetic ah. is very cheap. But there's I mean, dude, yeah, breaking the waves, uh, Julian Donkey Boy. There's all sorts of crazy shit happening. Okay, it's just it just looks like ass. That's all. It's, well, that
2: that is part of uh, Robert McKee's story. There's yeah. the anti plot. Uh,
3: love idea. that jump so. cut, by the way. I love that she sits down by him and just jump cut automatically to arm around him and embracing him. Like it's not motivated because there's no camera op in that movement. Like it didn't just stop and record on its own.
0: Somebody, whoever the editor of yeah. this within the world, yes. has made
3: yes. that editorial. And, but I buy it
2: and yeah. I really like it. I love the uh, the behind the scenes information on this, which is she she came out in the morning and there was this bundle of sticks, and then there was the bit where she's like, "I'm just I'm moving it away from the tent." That she was literally like, "Fuck this!" Like she she wasn't gonna do it. The, the filmmakers actually had to come in and be like, "You need to go open the sticks and look at it," because she was not gonna do it. <laughs> she didn't want to. Um, but but I love just the it's it's really great how. Again, this this entire scene is like happy accidents. Like when she first sees it, she she drops the camera yeah. on her lap so you can't see it at first. Yeah. And then, you know, she picks it up and she's, she's trying to calm herself so you get just the shadow play of her like, you know, running her hand through her hair and stuff like that. This is just really well done. And it's not planned at all yeah but nobody directed that
0: that. yeah nobody directed the the elements of this Mm -hmm. that make the scene work as well as it does
2: the one thing the one thing i i almost wish is like she goes in and she like opens it a little more and freaks out but it's just another tooth i'm like i want that to be like an eyeball or something (laughs) that she reveals the tongue or or the tongue or whatever and freaks out but there would have been no guarantee that that was the last thing that she actually saw or anything so you wouldn't have been able to necessarily get that moment and then cut
1: M-
3: Maybe underneath that is a note going, I'm doing fine. Yeah. Like, it's all good. I'm cool. I'm
0: cool. Finally got got that-, that. dental work yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Hold> <laughs> What would have been creepy is it was if it was just a note that says, Dear Tooth Fairy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if the
2: Blair Witch was like uh, <laughs> or or a note that says, Dear Human Friends, I am fine. Don't come look at your human
3: rights.
2: What <laughs> <laughs> would be Wouldn't it
3: really great if like the Blair Wish was actually like the abominable snowman from Island of Mr. Toys where
2: he's really just friendly and misunderstood. He's just <laughs> well, trying to There's the whole Slender Man. And he's got a way. he's got, you know, his little elf friend who wants to be a dentist. Yeah, so, there you, know. you go. Tie-in. Well Tie in. Tie in. there's the whole the sequel. Oh my god, it's the
0: same world. Yeah, it's, it's the exactly. same world.
2: <laughs> there's
0: the whole Slender Man
2: story, yeah. which yeah.
0: and I don't know if it's actually part of the canon or just a joke I read but somebody was like yeah Slenderman just wants friends and he just he comes up and tries to make friends with the little children and they always run
3: But I, I'm sure that's a joke actually somebody Janet. did that somebody did a found film of that with the uh, with the um the Wampa
2: from Empire Strikes Back where uh-huh. it's just like yeah. hey
3: I just uh, put your oh my arm you uh-huh. know like it's, <laughs> so that's high
2: okay. five Luke all. is there uh a- that is a really pathetic moment where she her hair gets caught like you buy that I buy that so much yeah where she's just breaking down down, and then, at the end, her hair gets caught, and she's like so close to just <laughs> breaking just down into, or breaking it down into tears or whatever it's like I really feel for her in that even considering that all
1: scene. the liabilities that they were working with what with this not being an established genre at the time, with no money, with not knowing what was going to happen, not having any foresight that this is going to become a huge movie, blah 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 blah. Bearing all that in mind, is there anything this movie really does fuck up or gets wrong or could have done better? I
3: mean, I'll, I'll say the ending. I, I, that's been my big thing is that the ending hamstrings that I feel like you're you're racing down the hill. You're racing, you're racing, you're racing. The finish line is in sight. You're pushing forward, you're pushing forward. And then a brick wall falls out of the sky and you run fa- face first into it. And then someone says, race over. And that's that's how I felt about it.
2: Just emotionally and totally. I don't know. I like, I personally like the ending. I think I, it's really effective. I, I, I know what, people what, who do. What, I just, what can I, you I, have, you know. oh, obviously, <laughs> what could, uh, what could, what? might you suggest could have been I, I different? don't
3: know. It's one of those instances where I don't necessarily know the right answer. I mm. just feel like the answer, you know, could have been something a little different, I guess. I, I just feel like it needed... I, I It's definitely
2: enough. a shock ending. Well, can I, can I, like, I, yeah. can I yeah.
1: pitch you one? Very sure. similar. Uh, what happens in the end of the movie, in the universe, is that they go into the thing. Clearly the Blair Witch or whoever was being possessed by the Blair Witch at the time was in the room in the basement hiding. He saw the cameraman come in and he knocked the cameraman out. And then... The chick came in and he knocked the chick out. That's what happened in the universe. Would you have liked it more if right before the second... The first camera goes the same way it does. The second camera whirls around real quick and you see someone go... And then that's the end of the movie. Would, would you honestly, have liked it more if you saw something?
3: If, if the camera hits the ground and then you see feet uh, and some one other thing, I don't know what that other thing is. I, I, I well, don't know here's, something. because
0: one of the one of the pieces of trivia one of the the famous aspects of the ending is the fact that when she drops the camera right before she does she actually glimpses and it's like a pa or something
2: standing on a hill in a white robe or something oh, no no that's why she's when when they're running and she's screaming what the fuck is that yeah that's what that's, she, that, that, that's moment. What, that moment that yeah. moment so you're saying your problem comes with the ending after that the, the ending and the, en- the ending ending the, like very the last
0: end. shot of the movie
2: yeah i i because, personally love the last I, shot of the movie I'm i think o- that's what makes the whole thing come yeah together. see hmm. i mean i'm
0: okay with i'm okay with the ending too is in terms of Especially, you know, working and being the the trope codifier of of uh, the found footage genre is like you may or you may not get it, and these guys happen to not get it. And I think, personally, I think that's great, and I'm fine with it. Right. Um, is there anything like you, you think is
1: is shitty with the movie?
0: Really, my only major issue at all is the beat where he drops the map or he gets rid of the map. Right. Because that's that is weird, and even the and it even though it seems odd, it seems after it's been whittled down after the story has been you know edited together it seems like a very large contrivance mm. even if that's if the circumstances weren't actually that and it was in reality it was just something the guy decided to do the way it comes across in the film
2: seems like a contrivance right. to keep them lost and it's not even necessary because they necessary. could just be lost you know yeah. but it's it's more a contrivance for for a conflict between them i guess yeah. i was I was here's the, when here's I, the yeah. iconic the yeah, iconic up the, uh, scene. up the nose. I am scene. so
3: scared. The thing that made that had that spawned about a thousand fan film parodies. Yeah. This yeah. moment right here. My concern with the ending would be
0: great performance, though it really is. Yeah, really no, she awesome. really doesn't get. They don't get enough. And that ready. great line. I'm scared to close my eyes and scared to open them. Yeah, like, that's that's terrifying. That's a yeah. terrifying sentiment. Um
3: that that part right there is what does it for me. The fact that now it's just she said everything she could possibly, and she she has that realization like she knows we're not we're not coming back, yeah, like this is you know,
0: yeah, I mean the moment she shuts off the camera for her in that situation is
2: that's the last time I'm gonna. That's, That's a, this is li- my last will and testament right here. Yeah. yeah,
3: there was a stretch of time right before this I wanted to mention where you see Mike operating the camera a lot more, and I like it because he was originally one that, that insisted stop filming, stop filming. But he's almost like Stockholm syndrome into, <laughs> into <laughs> filming at this point, and I, I like that. That felt very natural to me. That felt that that it didn't just seem like a way to like oh we need to get obviously we need yeah, the coverage. Heather, stuff. Well, we need to get Heather on camera more. I think yeah. I feel like that was something that they realized in dailies was like we're not seeing enough of Heather. Like and I and I think and I think that was a good adjustment, a good note to make and it felt organic it felt pretty natural
0: going back to the ending my concern with the ending would be what more could you do that wouldn't feel like it betrayed yeah. the i mean because it's like all it's very open the, and, the but, accidental
3: nature exactly. again and again yeah. i don't know and, and again i was 21 when i formed that opinion so i i, I may so you were look probably at it, drunk at the time I, <laughs> no i may
1: um i know I, I was a very serious film watcher my, <laughs> if, like, I watched, I never, if i was drunk when i watched this movie I might have shit myself. Dude, I I watched Brazil really really empathically the first
0: time I watched Brazil, and I really did not know whether paper ate Robert Robert De Niro or not. (laughs) Like, I literally was like, did that actually happen, or am I...
1: That's I was drunk the about. first
3: time I saw Logan's Run.
1: That's, um, well, that's the thing about watching movies when you're drunk is I think you just whatever filters or cynicism you have that you disconnect compassion a little bit in your daily life. You just get super empathic when you're drunk, and you're just like, oh, I feel you. I know what that means. Oh, that's why I can like Battleship when I'm drunk because it's just like oh, I just I, I you know I I don't even notice the contrivances of how awful these people are in <laughs> their dialogue and their words don't mean anything. It's just sort of like, oh yeah, I go yeah yeah I get it. If I watched this when I was drunk and I was so with them on all this. I might have... This might have been the scariest movie i ever seen. Nah. Well, th- now you know how a lot
2: of people felt when they saw it. Oh, yeah. In uh, the... Um, this isn't significant. It, like, you don't have to know this, but I thought it was really interesting watching the uh, the you know, the TV special. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, we've joked about it before. This is actually a, that her house burned down 20 years ago yeah. situation. They don't know this obviously, and it doesn't come up in the, in the movie, but in this TV special, which uh, you, your word for it, it was an overture for, for this. They released it on sci-fi as part of the, this is real. And we're about to release this footage into the world. The way oh, they, f- the,
3: sci-fi channel was all fucking over yeah, this. when yeah, it, it came Yeah. That was, and that yeah. was a,
0: i most of my tv watching was sci-fi
2: yeah, channel. At they, that point f- in my life. they found basically the guy who the, they, they talk about you know the guy who took the kids into the basement and made one stand in the corner which um some people a lot of people i think saw this a lot of people saw this pirated you know they saw the sundance version which i guess didn't have that interview so the ending didn't make sense to a lot of people <laughs> when they saw it um but that was a very important setup um so they find this guy and they you know they Take him out and and take the the kids back and and whatnot. But they burned the house down. They don't mention that in the movie, but in the little document, uh, the, the the you know the TV, over, special. the TV special. They mentioned they burned his house down, um, and so the way they find the footage the way this footage is found is there's an excavation of this old colonial house that's going on and they in the basement of this house that hasn't been disturbed for like you know 80 years they find a, like a brand new pack and 60 millimeter canisters and stuff like that and they're like how the fuck did that get down there and what? It, so I I like the idea that they don't bring it up but if you if you look on the other side it's like part of the mythology is they've walked into a ghost house now essentially um it's not just something out in the woods it's something that the blair witch has conjured up to to draw them in i get which is a great example of of
0: filling it and very literally we've talked about you know filling in the details of your world so that it feels like a real world and not just something that happens to exist that you've built for directly in front of the camera and this is a very literal expression of that there's They built a whole world and a whole mythology to this, and if the camera didn't happen to be pointing at that corner of
1: that mythology, then you didn't get it. Right. Something I like about this scene is that you, for some reason, it must be a placement of the dat thing, or wherever the mic was, you don't hear her up close for most of the scene. It's because
2: it's with him. Right. The only audio is with
1: him, because she's got the film camera. Right. So right now, you're hearing her incredibly quietly. Yeah. Yeah. But it only you only start to hear her more and more when she gets into the basement yeah. I also like that's what I that I that's one of the things I love most about the ending here. in the real universe these people who were filming this who I'm assuming even if they knew this wasn't real were still fucking spooked oh yeah um, uh, yeah I, I love be? that they apparently forgot the story of the Blair Witch and that it happened in the basement so they go upstairs first yeah it's like I think he's upstairs well if you remember the thing that you do know it's a basement thing oh here we go yeah oh did I already miss it. Uh, the, well, they were in the basement, happened. but oh,
2: okay. that was very much that was a moment in the theater where the the people who had caught the reference to putting you know yeah, putting, putting the kids in the, in the corner, which is all it's. Five minutes into the movie, it comes up once, and then they yeah. never mention it again, and it's just right at the end. If you make that connection, that is seriously the most terrifying no, moment in were, the entire film. In,
3: in the theater, oh, there were oh, audible... I don't
2: remember catching that moment in the beginning, and I was terrified. Oh. No,
3: no, no. There were audible gasps yeah. in the audience when they saw him in the corner. They yeah. like, like, I mean, like, that was the spooky thing. And, yeah. And, you know, I don't hate it as much now, I guess. I just, I don't know. I still feel like, I don't you know. You were 21. You were trying to be a I hipster know. at the <laughs> <point. Yeah. laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, well, the Blair Witch, um, the the mood works. I, I I completely buy into it, and it didn't really scare me that much, uh, and I don't know why. Uh, it might just be because I wasn't drunk. Uh, but <laughs>
0: I finally <laughs> seen it. Best I'm summary gl- of a uh, I,
1: feeling about a movie ever. And gl- I didn't like it. No as much beer, like bad. Right. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't drunk. Should have been drunk. Uh, but I haven't. You know, I'm I'm having a, a no drinking phase right now. Um, so this movie didn't work on me that well. But I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad that I saw it. Um, I guess once you see the credit for audition assistance, then
0: something yeah. should uh, pop up at it, you. You
2: should you should understand that this isn't real, especially when you get to the block where it's like this movie is a work of fiction. <laughs> no, uh, you know. Well, like it
3: that. Was, Does it say but, that in but the credits? Written, written yeah. by.
2: You know, there is something. Yeah, to be said it does. So that. It has the thing. Well, people in documentaries have written
0: by credits. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, but... Brian. Yeah, Blair Witch. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's you know. I remember at the time being you know it working absolutely to 11 on the emotional level that it it was trying to go for and even you know now fuck 13 years later sweet christ um it's still just a great example of the craft if i'm going to be snobby about uh the craft of filmmaking and it is still think it's one of the best examples of the found footed genre. And it's rightfully the the codifier of
2: the genre. I think. Power bar incorporated? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because guess what they're power- eating? Yeah. Oh no shit. Yeah. And he waves he waves a power bar around in the in the uh, oh, okay. supermarket. He's like, Oh, we're grabbing power bars. Which they point out well, they, they didn't- were like that's one of the things that if you are, you know, an IMDb asshole, um, that you note that particular flavor of power bar that he's waving around did not exist at the time when this movie is supposed to be taking place. Uh, <laughs> Dorkman, Blair Witch. Yeah. Um, basically, I agree with everything Brian said. I, it's been, it had been 13 years since I saw it. I saw it again. Uh, I think it definitely, you know, holds up. It definitely deserves its place as kind of a benchmark in in filmmaking in the different ways of thinking about telling a story and and you know uh uh, making making films just in general um i don't know if i will really be inclined to see it again anytime soon but uh i think it's a solid film and as we've said many times i think it deserves more credit than it gets
3: Edward Doty. Well, it definitely deserves more credit for being cut on Media One Hundred, which you just said <laughs> in the credits. Because God help you if you ever had to use Media One Hundred. You're, you're.
1: If you, if you never had to, you don't know the how content of this it. motion picture, including all characters and elements hereof, is entirely fictional and it is not based upon any actual individual or other legal ent- ent- other legal entity. Corporations are people, man. <laughs> any similarity to actual persons <laughs> or other entities is unintended. My ass, an entirely <laughs> um, coincidental.
3: So no, I uh, you know I think it, it doesn't get enough respect as it should. Uh, again, I'm not and as Mike said, I'm not in a huge hurry to see it again, especially after. The, but you know, the Indian doesn't bother me as much as it did before. And I think it just I, I think it's definitely earned its place. And it also, and we never mentioned this in the thing, but this is part of the class of '99 of the oh, yeah. one of the probably one of two greatest years of filmmaking in my lifetime. This in '82, I think of just '82 was good. Too. Like you never like so many good films came out in '99. This is the same summer as success. 6 yeah. sense uh iron giant fight club the phantom menace phantom menace, menace. But for, no, I mean, for has, good or ill the phantom yeah, menace I mean, yeah even bad movies it has it has a place amongst was it, but, it I mean, the major wasn't fear and loathing 99 too fear and loathing was 98 ah. uh, but uh, no i mean it's it's uh, it definitely has its place and i think uh i think people should revisit it if well i think it's kind of required viewing if you're going to make a uh, a found a, a feature-length found footage. I like how you just uh, worked your way, so I didn't get blamed there. <laughs> yeah. See what it did there? Uh, but no, a feature-length found footage. I think you and I think just even even if you wanted to, Wild, like, Wild West was ninety-nine. I think this movie has yeah. more in common with a movie like Two Girls <laughs> and Sorry, a Guy yeah. than it does like a lot of other found footage movies because it's very much three people in a room, essentially the woods, and it's performance-based and it it really just examines character and that's what works about it. Yeah,
2: it's um, really it's really like an indie movie and then it gets scary and supernatural. It, it is.
0: It's a great example of examining character and letting character shine through in a in a distinctive way where the characters are distinctive but they're real people. Yeah. They're they, they're characters but they're not white hat black hats in yeah. terms of character. Go,
3: if and if you haven't go rent um two girls and a guy is Robert Downey I Jr. keeps thinking you're going to say two I girls do.
1: one cup. Yeah, do not <laughs> go rent two not. girls.
3: I don't know. I don't think Redbox carries two girls one cup. <laughs> but uh no, um, Red Tube does. No, <laughs> uh, Robert Downey Jr., Heather Graham, and Natasha Grayson Wagner. Oh, is uh, Heather Graham naked in that movie too? He, she does have sex with Robert Downey Jr. Yes, uh, she's naked in every movie, and God bless her. Yeah, I know, right? But no, it's a that's a that's a that's a movie that you'll find a lot of parallels between the between three, and in, in the sense that it's three people in an isolated area just trading barbs and seeing where it goes. And and I think a lot of movies would benefit just from studying this.
1: I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. So. God bless us, everyone. This has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. Hey, Brian, you finished the spiel. What? I want to see if you can do it. Uh, go to uh website,
0: downinfront.net. Uh, participate in the forum in the way that I apparently don't do anymore, I realized the other day. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen you on the I took a break either, for a while as well, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, still there. Uh, buy shirts even though we don't get money for them what else give us money give us money we're not asking we're just saying but give us money we're Man's absolutely just, asking uh, there's a paypal button Holden um, Holden made, designs and maintains the websites and until uh, next week and Matt Veda doesn't do anything anymore <laughs> that's so fucked up <laughs> no but it, it's not Matt's fault it's Teak's fault right. Matt's life has become
1: a cruel joke <laughs> life um, is meaningless until next week, I'm Brian Vinifter, T. Christy. My Scott. How do dody. Thank you very much for listening. Good night, good night.
2: Buster Cancer 2012. <laughs>
1: Buster <laughs> Cancer 2012. 2012. 2012. 2012. 2012. 2012. 2012. 2012. 2012.